Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hello podcast listeners, I'm Connor and welcome to this special Monday preview of Intelligence Squared. Today we're featuring an excerpt from our new podcast in partnership with Havas Creative and it's called No Bullshit Leadership. It's hosted by Chris Hurst, CEO of Havas Creative, who many of you may have heard on the podcast last year. And each week he speaks to a leader who is cutting through the bullshit and getting things done from the worlds of sport, arts, media and business. Today's preview of episode one features Sir Clive Woodward, who of course brought England to World Cup glory in 2003 and also led Team GB to numerous medals in the London 2012 Olympics. It's a really fascinating conversation with lots of insight into leadership. And if you do enjoy this preview, you can find a link for the full episode in our podcast description. Just click the link, you can go through and subscribe, and you'll be notified about new episodes coming out in the coming weeks. Now, let's go to the preview. Hi, Chris. Hi, Farah. So when we agreed to do this podcast, I told you that as your producer, I'll be frank and direct with you. I need to know, how do you stop yourself reaching for the bullshit? The problem with whether you're a bullshitter or not is, is to an extent, uh, something that only other people can decide. So I, I hesitate to go on record and say I'm definitely not a bullshitter. Well, one thing there's no room for bullshit on is our quick fire round. Today we're looking at the world of sport. Alex Ferguson or Arsene Wenger? I think Alex Ferguson. Sport's about winning and he was a winner. Football or rugby? Rugby. I used to love football, but I think it's lost its soul. Ooh, controversial. Serena Williams or Billie Jean King? Ah, that is a difficult one. I think Serena Williams... And I don't have any really good reasons other than I just love watching her play tennis. In the stadium or on the sofa? I mean, officially, because I'm like really cool and authentic and all those kind of things in the stadium. But in reality, secretly, I prefer the sofa. On the pitch, referees or VAR? On the pitch. Keep it real. Keep it authentic. And finally, Bradley Wiggins or Chris Hoy? Brad Wiggins. He's just, I know all the stuff has come out and I know he's, uh, you know, let's say politely put polarising, but that 2012 when he won the Tour de France and he won that Olympic gold, that was just an absolutely iconic moment in time. (laughs) 
Hello and welcome to this special live recording of the No Bullshit Leadership Podcast powered by Intelligence Squared. I'm Chris Hurst and my guest today is none other than the sporting legend Sir Clive Woodward. Uh, Clive, when I went onto your website, the homepage says, how do you want to be remembered? Uh, And I suspect you will be remembered as the World Cup winning head coach who led England's rugby team to World Cup glory in Australia in 2003, who amongst us can never forget. Not only was it the first time England won, but the first time any nation in the Northern Hemisphere won the Rugby World Cup, and still the only Northern Hemisphere nation. You then became Team GB's Director of Sport in the London Olympics in 2012, delivering Team GB's most successful Olympic Games in modern times, and you're now a sports and business consultant and founder of Hive Learning, an app which digitizes your coaching methods. Thank you for joining us this evening, Clive. Thanks, Chris, and thanks for that introduction. I've forgotten most of those things. None of the rest of us have, Clive. None of the rest of us have. In three words, describe your leadership style. Leadership, teamship, and partnership. If you could delete any word from the leadership jargon dictionary, what word would that be? Oh, that's easy. I hate the word. I'm going to reach out to you. Yeah. Which leader do you most admire, either present, past? Yeah, Alex Ferguson. Although I'm a big Chelsea fan. I hate Man United, but Ferguson was the best leader I've come across in sport by a long way. And what's the best advice you've ever been given? Be curious, but I think write things down because you think you may remember them, but you can't. So uh, I've always, I've even now got a pen, just in case I learn something from you, Chris. <laughs> I think that's, that's, that's unlikely, but, but let's see. It's flattering nevertheless. Uh, what's the best decision you've ever made? We went to live in Australia, I think, to go and work abroad. I, I went there when I was 29. So I think uh, I stayed there for five years. I had a two-year contract with Xerox. I stayed there five years. So just to work abroad was really excellent time of our life I think it just makes you independent and I advise that to anybody if there's a chance of working abroad just do it and the worst decision you've ever made probably not to go to Australia about five years earlier look at your website uh, before tonight's recording and it asks and I mentioned this in the in the introduction how do you want to be remembered I was presumptuous enough to answer that question for you but but how how do you want to be remembered as a leader and a coach when you're in, in leadership positions you know I, I love the word trust and respect I always I've always you know when people ask me about other leaders you have Alex Ferguson you kind of trust and respect and I think the key thing to stress I'm well, absolutely clear but you you, you don't get those names associated with you just because you happen to be the leader or the head coach or the chief executive. You get them just by the quality of your actions. And, you know, I always say to leaders, you, you, you are there to set the example. And it's, it's not rocket scientists. You've got to throw the kitchen sink at it. And certainly from a sporting point of view, you, I, I kind of still think as a player, you, you know the coaches who are re-delivering by what they're doing. You know the coaches are maybe taking a few a few shortcuts. And you've had some incredible highlights so far. What was the highlight for you, whether it be a, a kind of a, a real sort of headline achievement or maybe some specific moment within that? What's the what's been the highlight? Well, I've been very lucky about it because the, the Rugby World Cup win was, was huge because, you know, I, I didn't take the England job on to actually win the Rugby World Cup. I took that job on to try and make England the best team in the world, I mean, the number one ranked team in the world. But that one night in Sydney was just the kind of the absolutely icing on the cake. Everybody could see this was a very special team. As you said, no one's ever done that before from from, from our part of the world. So that that would be the the highlight. But I've I've always been pleased. I moved on from rugby pretty quick. I kind of 
have a bit of fallout for a few one or two people at Twickenham after the World Cup and left. And I had a year in professional football. I love football. I had a year in professional football, which I love. I'm a fully qualified football coach. So even getting that qualification, I was usually proud of. Then the Olympic Games, I was, wasn't just um, London. I was in charge of the, the sporting side of the team in uh, Beijing in 2008, Vancouver, the Winter Olympics, obviously London 2012. So huge highlights all, all through that. But what I've been kind of most proud of, I've been really looking, looking, and I'm not finished yet by a long way, is actually just, you know, moving on and not sort of, you know, it's great talking about World Cups and all that sort of stuff. But yeah, I move on pretty quickly to find new challenges, new things to do. And yeah, I still love rugby. I enjoy, enjoy watching the game, but I've never, never kind of regretted moving on from, from the game of rugby. The World Cup in particular, obviously, is such a such an iconic final. Not just the winning, but the way it was won. Did, are you the sort of person that that manages to find time to enjoy the moment? I think Johnny Wilkinson sort of famously said, didn't he, that he sort of enjoyed it for about two seconds and then just felt a sense of relief. Or were you able to just really, at the time, reflect on what you'd achieved and sit back and enjoy it? You probably reflect on it more sort of now, really, just talking to you. You look back at a lot of warm feelings at the time and the word used there was relief. To me, it was just a massive relief when that final whistle went. You know, it was just, thank goodness for that. And also, you, you know, you just know there's no second chance. That was never happen again. There's no next week or try again. That that was it. And if we'd not won that game, I haven't a clue how I would have turned out. I don't think probably very well, and I don't think any of us would have because we knew it was a chance of a lifetime. And that was that was pressure, but the, the pressure was great. You wouldn't swap it for anything. I loved the pressure of it. I remember, and I, I'm not uh, I'm not trying to compare the two, but I, but I remember when I first found myself in a in a leadership position, as in right at the the, the top of a business and. I knew what I wanted to achieve, but I don't think I had a very clear leadership philosophy of my own. I mean, when you first became the the head coach, did you have a clear plan for how you were going to go about it, or did you think did your thinking evolve as you went through? Do you, do you want the truth, or do you want... <laughs> yeah, we definitely want the truth. <laughs> I I didn't have a clue what I was doing. You know, I, I can I can look back now. I can say all these wonderful things. But when I say I didn't have a clue, of course I did. But the when I got the England rugby job, the, I think the key thing everyone should, should understand, I had kind of two careers in business before that. I worked for Xerox, ranked Xerox for eight years, uh, including five in Australia. So, you know, and I was I was uh, a, a graduate trainee and I was a sales director in Sydney. So I had a, a big corporate background. But probably most importantly, when we came back from Australia, uh, I set up my own small leasing and finance company based on the skills I learned with Xerox Finance. We were a small brokerage. So when I say small... About ten people. They also ran for eight, eight years. So I had a big corporate background in terms of Xerox, graduate training, all that sort of stuff. But probably the most important thing was running your own company, where you got ten people in the room. You know, and I really look back at that time running my own small finance company. Uh, that that was the key skills I learned in terms of taking over the the rugby team. I couldn't write it down or anything, but you just you just throw in the kitchen sink at it. You realise you got to really listen to your people. You got to make them engage with it. But you know, we're small. We had no HR. There ten people sat in a room, and we took on some big, big guys and some of these big deals. I had a lot of fun. And I learned so much in that eight years, learned more in that eight years than, than, than any anything else. And so when you took the rugby team, I'm, there's no difference. You know, I think when I think about you know r- r- rugby and sport, uh, r- rugby and business, you know, you're delivering results through people. That's what leadership's about. You're not delivering it through yourself. You're delivering results through people. And when you think of it, that's the definition of a, of a rugby team, a football team, any business team. You just you just finding ways to really you know, engage and empower your team and away, away you go. And uh, I, I kind of loved it. This is interesting, you know, whilst I love coaching England, I love running my own business. There was no, no greater buzz than being absolutely the guy in charge, 
everything's on the line. You know, school fees, a house, you know, there's, there's no, no one looking after you. But I learned from both. I, I, was, you know, I learned from a, a big corporate background, and I learned especially from running my own small company. And when I took out the rugby team, often the players would probably used to drive them nuts. I used to refer to business all the time with them about what we did and how we did things. You know, and I, I like to think they learned quite quite a bit. You know, I, I made no difference. This is a business, you know, and we're here to win, and that, that's, that's the game. What do you think are the big similarities and potentially differences between leadership in a sports context and leadership in a business context? I, I honestly don't think there is, Chris. I, I, really, I really don't. The two key skills get is just what I call relentless learning. You're always learning. There's no doubt you look at these great football managers. They're always learning, always trying to find new things, new edges. They're not sitting there thinking, oh, great, we've, we've, we've cracked it. Learning is everything. And, and the key thing is if you get the learning done through your people. So it's not just yourself who's a relentless learner. You're, you're, you're encouraging every single person in the, in the team. One of my favorite sayings in, in, the, in the rugby team, there's no such thing as a dumb idea. You know, because sometimes a new player would come into the team, you know, even a young Johnny Wilkinson. When Johnny came into the England rugby team, he was 18. Amazing young man, superstar player. But he was so shy. He was so quiet. He was almost intimidated by the more senior players. And then you got me asking him to stand up and speak in front of these players, and he just couldn't. But, but I, you know, I made, it, made it clear, you've got to get everybody involved. If you've got an idea, you say it, you stand up. It doesn't matter if you leave yourself open for some banter or ridicule. Let me decide whether it's a good or bad idea. What I pride myself on is listening and making sure all these players are really empowered to think, think about things. And then what I am thinking I'm quite good at, if I think that's a good idea that you've thought about, that's going to, you know, in sporting terms, make the boat go faster, I'll move heaven and earth to get it done. You have to do That's your job. So if this is going to make you a better team, win more gold medals, make the boat go faster, we will do it. We'll get it done. doesn't matter what it costs. It has to happen. I love listening to you talk about that because I know you and I have a shared sort of passion, if that's the right word, for the power of culture within, a, within an organisation to drive that organisation's success or, or, if you get it wrong, failure. Johnny Wilkins or whoever it is, you know, without you, he doesn't stand up and, and speak, does he? I mean, your role there is to create the culture and the environment to make that happen. And I think that's a critical role for leaders. When I'm thinking about this, you know, one of my favourite things, and I said this to players, great teams made of great individuals, and I repeat it. Great teams made of great individuals. My job with the rugby team is to make every individual player better. So I'm going to make Martin Johnson, Johnny Wilkinson, Lawrence Delalio, my job is to make them better at what they do. And if, if basically if you get every individual, think of your business people, your, your sales people, your marketing people, your forklift truck driver, if you invest in them and you're going to try and make that individual better, you know, they will give it back to you in, in, in bucket loads. And I really do mean it. And they'll, they'll know whether you're bullshitting or not. So is this guy delivering? Is he making me a better player? You know, a sports team or a business team, you look around the room and suddenly you see all these amazing individuals who are superstar players. The team stuff, Chris, becomes quite easy to do. And that's how I've always worked, you know. And hence, a rugby team is quite interesting because it's, it's so different than even a football team because there's so many different positions and different sizes. So I want to make every single player as best I possibly can. And that's a huge challenge because that keeps you awake at night. But when I'm running my business from, you know, the, the, from the, the secretary to the market, I'm trying to, you know, what, what have I got to do to make you better at your job? And if you do that, you, they, they won't forget that. And that's why I spoke before about trust and respect. I think you get that. If you, and if you do it, if you just talk about it and you talk a good game, you know, you, you, can't, you can't hide from these people. They know whether you're delivering or not. We hope you enjoyed this preview of the first episode of our new podcast in partnership with Havas Creative called No Bullshit Leadership. If you'd like to listen to the full episode and subscribe to the No Bullshit Leadership podcast, you can find a link in the episode description.